Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello! Welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We hope you had a happy holidays and continue to celebrate happy holidays and have a happy new year. This is our solstice slash Christmas slash holiday episode. So we are covering A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. Uh, this, this book is sort of a novella to follow up with the first three books that she has written. So we don't really have a ton of new characters, but that's what I'll start out with, a, with a, sort of a refresher of our characters. And then Vicki will give us a brief plot description. So we have our Court of Dreams, which includes Feyre, Rhysand, Amran, Moore, Asriel, and Cassian. Again, Feyre is our main character. She is mate and wife to Rhysand and is the High Lady of the Night Court. Rhysand is Feyre's mate and husband. He is the High Lord of the Night Court. Amran is his second-in-command, um, and she, again, is over 15,000 years old and was an, sort of like an angel, but since the war in Highburn, she has now become permanently housed inside of a high fae body. And then we have Moore, who is Reese's cousin, and she acts as like a diplomat and an emissary for the Court of Dreams and the Court of Nightmares. We have Azriel, who's Illyrian. He's the super powerful spy master and shadow singer. Cassian, who's also Illyrian and is the general of the Illyrian armies. We have Nesta and Elaine, who are Feyre's sisters. So Elaine is the second older sister. She likes gardening. She has a really gentle soul. She has seer abilities. And then we have Nesta, who's Feyre's oldest sister, and she is super strong and um, stubborn and, and is pretty unkind to pretty much everybody except Elaine and Amran. She was affected by the cauldron, but the nature of her abilities is clear. We also have Lucian, who was Tamlin's bestie in our, in our series and then came, sort of left the spring court and is Elaine's mate, even though they are not united. And Tamlin, who was one of the main characters in the first book and throughout the series, but he's the High Lord of the Spring Court. And um, we meet Racina, who is the only really new character of note. She appeared in the series, the original series, when Feyre defended the Rainbow District of Valeris against Hybern. And she's described as being a fairy with green skin. She paints and runs an art studio in the artist's district. And then our story takes place in Valeris, the city of starlight. Vicki, do you want to pick up with our plot description? Yeah. Okay, so A Court of Frost and Starlight picks up several months after the events of A Court of Wings and Ruin. It's now winter, and our friends are preparing for solstice. Pharaoh wakes up to find that Reese has already left for the day. Attempting to reach him through their bond, she does not get an immediate reply, which indicates he is somewhere far away. This is not uncommon as Reese has been spending quite a bit of time ensuring peace and keeping up alliances. 
Feyre reflects on the events of the summer. She is still suffering from PTSD and remembers the way that Reese stopped breathing. She notes that Reese also struggles with memories of the war as well. Reese is with Cassian, dealing with a dispute regarding the Illyrian war camp's training. Devlin and Cassian are arguing about training the female Illyrians. Cassian demands that the females get two hours of training before doing any housework, but Devlin is unwilling to do this. Reese states that the female Illyrians will get 90 minutes before doing any housework and that the males will also help with the housework. After settling the dispute, Cassian and Reese begin discussing other issues with the Illyrians. There are some who believe that during the battle against the King of Highburn, Illyrians were purposely put in places where they would die. Reese and Cassian discuss ways to deal with the issue. Back in Valeris, Feyre is walking through the rainbow. She goes there to look for gifts for her friends, but also ends up looking at the damage caused from the attack on Valeris. She comes across Racina, an artist who lives there, and asks questions regarding the people who once lived in the area. She is told that some died and some have moved away. The female Fae also tells her that they all remember how she protected them. Feyre is told that a group meets to paint every week and is invited to join. Feyre then runs into more, and they discuss what gifts they should get their friends for Solstice. They are able to find something for Amran, but do not find anything for their other friends. More tells Feyre that they will be going to Hewn City that evening, and that is, it is something that is done around every Solstice. Feyre asks why that particular day, and Moore tells her that she chose that day because Eris will be there, and she wants to observe how close he has gotten with her father. Reese returns, and he and, he and Feyre spend some time catching up. She tells him how she is worried for her sisters as Nessa has holed herself away from everyone and Elaine was still mourning her lost human life. She asks if Lucian can join them for Solstice and Reese agrees. Reese tells her that he has still not forgiven Lucian or Nessa for their treatment of Pharaoh. She also tells him about the artist she met at the Rainbow and he encourages her to paint. They travel to Hewn City and meet with Eris and Kier. Eris begins discussing gaining more territory for the Autumn Court and is quickly reminded that it is off the table for everyone. Eris then states that Tamlin may be an issue as any court wishing to grow would have to ask him for permission. They become suspicious that Tamlin may want more territory. After they return from Hume City, Azriel tells Reese that there is discontent spreading in the Illyrian war camps. Azriel does say, however, that while discontent has been found in many camps, it is often a small number of Illyrians upset. Despite this, Reese is still concerned. He tells Azriel that he is also concerned that the human queens have not returned to their territories, Hybern's populace are unhappy about losing the war, and is concerned that with the wall gone, anyone can make a grab for the human lands. It is also revealed that the humans are ruling themselves, but doing a poor job of it. He states that he will be going to visit Tamlin. Cassian is still overseeing the Illyrian war camps and making sure that the females are being trained. He purchases all of the winter goods available in a shop and requests that the owner deliver them to the Illyrians that will need it the most and instructs her to tell them it is a gift from the High Lord. Back in Valeris, Feyre heads to the Rainbow to paint. She is unable to join the group painting, but does find a boarded up gallery and studio space and sets herself up there. She paints the version of herself that she saw in the Ouroboros mirror. Reese travels to the spring court to see Tamlin. He notices that the spring court is devoid of any life, and when Tamlin opens the door, Reese observes that he is, for lack of a better word, a total mess. He needs a haircut, his clothes need to be washed, his eyes are described as being haunted and bleak. There are no solstice decorations, and the manor is completely empty. Despite all of this, Reese still antagonizes Tamlin before reminding himself that they need peace. 
He asks Tamlin why he is not defending his borders. Tamlin tells him that he would need an army to do so. Reese offers one, but Tamlin refuses help from Reese and insults him. Reese tells Tamlin that he deserves to live the rest of his life alone. Tamlin just orders Reese to leave. Cassian arrives in Valeris and brings Solstice decorations. He and Feyre drink while attempting to decorate. He and Feyre drink while attempting to decorate, and Asriel has to fix the decorations. The rest of the inner circle arrives, and they have a good time. Feyre decides she has to go speak with Nessa and find out if she will come to Solstice. She finds her in a bar and is unable to convince her to come to Solstice until she implies that her rent won't be paid. The next day, Reese and Moore walk together. They don't speak much until Moore asks when Kier is coming to Valeris. Reese tells her that he will most likely come in the spring, despite his multiple attempts to keep him at bay. He assures her that Cassian and Asriel have been planning security protocols for months. Reese also tells her that he will need her to travel to help keep the peace between territories. Feyre visits Amran, and they have a short discussion regarding Amran's lover, Varian. Feyre then asks about Nesta. Amran reveals that she comes to see her every few days. Amran refuses to discuss anything regarding Nessa other than saying to give her time and space. Solstice arrives, and Feyre wakes to several birthday presents from Reese. He gives her a sketchbook, a scarf, and a satchel for painting supplies. After Feyre paints him in the nude a few times, they go downstairs, where Reese is quickly taken away by Asriel and Cassian with no explanation other than tradition. Feyre decides to spend some time with Elaine, but before they can spend too much time together, Lucian shows up. Feyre and Lucian talk about how everything is going in the human territory. Elaine leaves the room, and Lucian asks about her. Feyre tells him that she needs time and invites him to stay with them for a week or two. He declines and tells her that he can't return to the spring court because of her lies. He also reveals that Tamlin sent him all of his belongings, essentially exiling him from the spring court and indicating that he did not want him there. Lucian leaves and returns to the human territories. Feyre tries to encourage Elaine to get to know Lucian, but Elaine is not receptive and, Mo and Moore tells Feyre to stay out of it. Moore winnows Feyre to the cabin and they find Cassian, Reese, and Asriel having a snowball fight. After a nice reprieve, they all return to the townhouse. They celebrate Feyre's birthday with a cake before moving on to everyone opening presents. In the middle of unwrapping presents, Nessa arrives. It's very awkward, but they're able to get back to having fun. When Nessa leaves, Cassian follows her and offers to walk her home. He also attempts to give her a solstice present, but she refuses it and tells him to leave her alone. After she storms off, he throws the present into the river. Back at the townhouse, everyone heads to bed except for Reese and Feyre. Instead, Reese win winnows Feyre to the cabin. He reveals that all the dresses and clothes he has ever given to her were made by his mother. Feyre asks Reese to change the tattoos on her hands. She requests that the eyes be changed to the night court insignia. She tells him that she has one last solstice present for him and sends him an image of their child that the bone carver had shown her, letting Reese know that she is ready to have a child with him. After they spend a night in the cabin, Reese takes her to her solstice present. He bought her an estate that looks out on the rainbow. He tells her that the place is hers to fix up and requests that she makes the house big enough to fit everyone and to include a nursery. Reese visits Tamlin and tells him that the summer court will be sending soldiers to protect his borders. Tamlin asks if Reese thinks Feyre could ever forgive him and if Reese forgives him for his mother and sister's deaths. Reese does not directly answer other than saying he and Feyre never got apologies. However, Reese does prepare the elk that Tamlin has killed and tells him to eat. Meanwhile, Moore prepares to travel to other courts and to be an ambassador and attempt to secure friends and allies. 
Pharaoh returns to the rainbow and tells Racina that the owners of the studio declined her attempt to buy it and simply gave it to her. Pharaoh wants to turn the space into a place to teach painting lessons for people who may be able to paint what they could not talk about. Reese arrives after one of the classes to take Pharaoh to lunch. They talk about how happy they are together and how no matter what happens, they will face everything together. The book ends with their favorite quote, to the stars who listen to the dreams that are answered. So there's not just an awful lot of spoilers in this book. It's really, I mean, it kind of lays some foundational work for our next, the next book, which is coming out in February, A Court of Silver Flames, which will be mostly about Cassian and Nesta. So spoiler alert, kind of. How did you feel about this book, Marissa? The first time I read it, so I jumped straight into this one after reading A Court of Wings and Ruin. And that is just like that story. There's so much packed into it. It moves so fast. Like there's just so much. And so to go from that pacing to this, to this pacing, which is a little bit slower, it was jarring the first time I read it and I didn't like, I still liked it because I love these characters and the author, but it, it was kind of a weird transition. So I reread it for this and I, I was able to get into it much better and easier because I hadn't just jumped straight out of the war into it. What did you think, Vicki? I liked the book a lot um, because it's a nice reprieve, I guess, from the intensity of the first three books. It was nice to see all the characters relax and, you know, they could have snowball fights and they just hang out and laugh. So it was nice to see that. It's like the Christmas episode of like a TV show. Yeah. Just and those are some of my favorites. Yeah. Mine too. It's just so happy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our characters are just happy in this book for the most part. They're not afraid of dying. And we're not <laughs> afraid of them dying. <laughs> yes, it's such a relief. I don't have to worry about that. And so you had, I think, mentioned that it's setting up the next book. Yeah. Right. So I, I agree with you. And there is, it's a sneak peek at the next book, which you said Allegedly. you didn't have. I I there's not a sneak peek in my book and I don't know how to get it. It's a Kindle book. Like it should come if there's, but like there's not even enough option for me to update the text. So it's not in mine, but Vicki has a, um, a teaser at hers. So do you, do you want to share some information about the teaser, Vicki? Since you have that, since you magically wound up with that? <laughs> sure. Well, so we're talking about if this is a setup or not to the next book, you know, the main conflict in this book are the Illyrian war camps mm-hmm. and the sneak peek does send Nessa and Cassian to the war camps. Yeah. So you're right. I think it's a setup for the next yeah. book. And I think Sarah J. Mass is going to have to do a lot of work. Oh my gosh. Me on board with Nessa Nessa. and Cassian. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. Um, I mean, I believe in our fearless author. I believe in her abilities (laughs) to, and it's like a 600, I think the book is supposed to be like 650 pages. So she's got a lot of text (laughs) to set up, you know. For, for us to get on board with Nesta. I think she can do it, but. I hope I'm, so. I'm worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
me too but I love Cassie and I just feel like he could do so much better oh I, think- I love Cassie and too he's such a you know he's just like this big you know brutal warrior with a tender heart mm-hmm. yeah I've we've talked about I think this before about how we'd like to see a Cassian and Azriel pair up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's a, I think it's on Tumblr. I found several pages where it was like, where they, that it was like memes where they were couples and I ship it a hundred percent. Yes. Me too. Or if we could put them in a thruple. Yes. A th- with power thruple. Not Nesta. With, with oh. somebody. Yeah. I would. Yes. I'd be for that. For that. 100%. Yes. <laughs> this book is going to get a little bit spicy, which I'm all about that. She said apparently that Sarah J. Mass wrote like a threesome scene for that was edited out of A Court of Silver Flame. So, oh. Yeah. Oh, who would she have a threesome with? I don't know. Maybe it was her, Cass, uh, Cassian, and. Azriel, but I could not imagine. Oh, I can't see that. Mm. No, no, I can't. Azriel doesn't like Nesta. No, I can't see that. Maybe it's one of the other Illyrians in the camp. Um, speaking of Azriel, his relationship with Elaine. What do you make of that? What do you think? I don't know what to make of that in this story. It's pretty weird, you know. Like we talked about Elaine's mating bond with Lucian some and like what I don't know because there were there were some like not romantic vibes but some unique like Asriel and A Court of Wings and Ruin he gives Elaine his knife which she ends up using to kill the King of Hybern and they have like these little moments that we see a lot more interaction between them in this one and so I don't know if it's like two people who are kind of outcasts who've had some suffering and they're bonding over that or you know they have that one scene where they're sitting down to eat dinner and Cassian starts eating and Asriel's like no you wait because Elaine has walked away from the table and Feyre's like what's this all about and Reese is like this is it's his mom was treated really poorly um when Azriel was growing up by his father and stepmother. And so it's kind of like, it's almost like he wants, I don't know. I don't know if he's like seeing Elaine kind of how he saw his mother and that's where some of their like close moments are coming from. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Cause it does feel like there's something there. Yeah. And I have a hard time thinking that Lush, that Elaine will forgive Lucian in order to be his, you know, for them to mm-hmm. get together. Um, so in terms, but I don't know necessarily if it's a romantic vibe that I'm getting or if yeah. they're just friends. It's, yeah, it's hard to tell. And I wish there was something clear there. Cause I kind of, I kind of ship them a little bit. Yeah. Not a ton though. I um, just feel like that would be too predictable as a storyline for, Reese to end up with Feyre, Cassian to end up with Nesta, Asriel to end up with, like, the, it's like the brothers and the sisters, kind of, that just seems unpredictable <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, Plus, I love Asriel, and I don't want to read a book about him with somebody else. 
I mean, I, I, I want him to be too. happy. I, want I do too. Happy. I just don't see. I mean, I don't know. Elaine's had very little character development. I would be, I just don't see her being like a main character in a story. Yeah. I don't think it'd be very, I don't know. From what has been written so far of her, I just, I would not be interested in reading a book about her. Well, yeah, but I mean, we don't know. She's had very little development. I mean, she likes, she still likes to garden. (laughs) Yeah. But now she cooks too. She knows how to bake and... (laughs) Um, she did kill the king of Highburn, so she's a little more interesting now than she was before. She just doesn't, I mean, not, she just hasn't had a whole lot of character development. And so based on that, I can't see her being a main character in a book. And I just don't, I don't have an interest in seeing her as a main character in a book. Asriel, though, maybe he will, maybe he'll come next. Apparently he's really kinky. That's also something Sarah J. Mass said in one of the interviews she did recently. Like, I could see that with his shadows and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gives off some like um, some alpha vibes in in this book a little bit too. So mm-hmm. maybe he's into some bondage or something. He still has a thing for more. Yeah, there are That's, there. Yeah. There are parts where, like, Cassian gives more lingerie as her solstice present, mm-hmm. and Asriel has a reaction. And then there's another part where he looks at her with like, passion in his eyes yeah. or something. And I really want more to kind of put him out of his misery with that. I would really like for more to do something about that. There needs to be a conversation there. Yeah. Yeah, I feel, I feel kind of bad for him there. I mean, it's been hundreds of years. Yeah. Can you imagine having a crush on someone for hundreds of years? No. Oh, I guess it's probably harder if, um, I guess if you're around them all the time to get over it, you know? I guess. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if you, if you know you're going to live forever, I feel like if you just nip it in the bud in the first century, you could just move on. I know. Think about, I mean, do they ever you, talk about Asriel, like, finding other lovers or anything? I know no. more. They talk about it with more and Cassian. They talk about it with more. They don't bring it up with Asriel, I don't think. Yeah, so it was all this time, has he just been waiting for more? 500-year-old been... virgin. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. It's pining. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I want. Oh, my God. If they write, if she wrote a book and it was him pining after more. Like that was not the book. I would no. I would throw not it away. That. No, I don't think she'll write that book. Because <laughs> I, I think yeah. well, there's gonna have to be some type of resolution between Azriel and Moore. Something. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. their relationships makes me. It makes me sad. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, it's difficult for Moore, but. For so many years at least something. 500 years i know i know but some some <laughs> something to put him out of his misery even if she doesn't tell him necessarily uh, because of her sexuality just something something i mean gosh just tell him that you're not interested in dating him she doesn't have to tell him that he's gay she could just say i'm not i mean i don't want to date you i think you should move on yeah <sighs> Kind of like, and this is the probably the only praise that I'll give for 
Mayor Barrow, but kind of like how she did with Killorn, where he's like, I know you're not into me. And she's like, you're correct. I'm not. <laughs> That's how you do it. I don't want to date you. Okay. And, and yeah, that was easy. That was resolved by the end of the series. Yep. How did you feel about Feyre kind of um, putting her nose into stuff that was going on, especially with Elaine and Lucian? Mm, I love I love Feyre. I really like her character. Uh, but she needs to back off. She, and I, it, this has just been her whole, her role for her entire life, basically, was to make sure that her sisters were okay and taken care of and provided for and all of that. So I get this. But she needs to step back and kind of let them live their lives. I mean, she can't, and it, it frustrates me, like, her meddling with, Nesta badgering her and the same with Elaine and and with that scene where Lucian comes to visit and then he leaves and Elaine doesn't talk to him and she's like you could have said whatever and she's like why and Elaine I mean is really good at defending herself and she's like he's not I don't owe him anything it's like you don't you do not owe him anything and it's very irritating to me that Nesta or that Farah keeps like trying to match make or force herself into these situations to to try to make everyone else happy. Like she really just needs to focus on healing herself and making herself happy at this point, because she's still really obvious. I mean, they all are still suffering like PTSD from what they encountered in the war and all. And she just needs to work on herself. Yeah. I was definitely frustrated with her when it came with Elaine and Lucian, that part I was mm-hmm. really frustrated with her about. Uh, not so much with her and Nessa. Um, just because, I, I don't know. Well, I guess a little frustrated. I wanted her to leave her alone. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't really want to read more about Nessa sulking. <laughs> <laughs> so, and being mean. Yeah. Especially to Cassie and don't really want to. Uh, so I was like, leave her alone. But it bothered me when she um, really tried to push illusion on elaine yeah um i didn't like that no i mean and i think it i think she needs to leave nesta alone she and nesta have never really i mean they just never really related or gotten along with each other and she talked to farah talked to amran about nesta and nesta and amran was like she comes to talk to me and Farah knows that Nesta talks to Elaine so it's not like she's not talking to people she's just not doing it in the way that Farah wants which is not I mean it doesn't have to be done in the way that Farah wants well it's interesting in those groups that we're part of where people um you know our team Nessa they say oh she didn't have any support like she's got PTSD and she has no support and that's Mm -hmm. why they sort of um I don't want to say excuse, but that's the, they use that to explain the, what she has, but she does have support. She has people trying to help her. Mm-hmm. So to say, oh, you know, she doesn't have, of course, she's going to act this way because she doesn't have anyone supporting her. They're there. They're trying to. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's not a great reason. No. I feel like Nesta has been awful to Farah from the very start. Mm-hmm. And she just keeps being awful. And I think, uh, honestly, I think that Feyre is just going to have to come to the point where she accepts that she's maybe not going to have a great relationship with Nesta. And that's okay. 
I mean, just because someone is related to you doesn't mean that you have to have a great relationship with them. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. Sometimes you're not close to your siblings. It doesn't mean that you don't love them or want to support them. But Sarah is a fixer and Nesta's not someone she can fix. Yeah. I guess I can be our PSA this week. You don't have to be friends with your family. That's right. You don't. That's our PSA this week. You don't have to be friends with your family. Just because you're related to someone doesn't mean that you have to have a close relationship with them, especially if pursuing that is going to be harmful to you in light of the Christmas holidays. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to spend it with your family. I know it's time for you family. Don't. You're, I mean, your blood family doesn't have to act like your chosen family is still your family. Right. And but the thing, it's interesting because we do see that in this, like the mm-hmm. inner circle, they are family. Yes. You know, he calls them, uh, Reese calls them his brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And more is literally family. Yeah. So, so it is a chosen family. Mm-hmm. We see that. And I don't know why Farrah can't really quite apply that to Nes- Nesta. I always want to say Nesta. I don't pronounce my T's. Nesta. The New Jersey thing. It is a Jersey thing. That's why we don't say Trenton. It's Trenton. In this book, we see a lot of our characters trying to cope with the aftermath of the war with Highburn. Mm-hmm. And they're all kind of struggling. Farah and Reese especially seem to be struggling, but more too. And more, her her struggle is not necessarily with the war in Highburn, but sort of with the trauma she experienced as a result of her father when he, when she, um, first had sex with Cassian and sullied herself and that we get a really descriptive scene of the, what they actually did to her. And that's sort of unresolved trauma that she's still working through 500 years later. I think in terms of more. Okay. So remember we talked about Eris before, is he really as bad as we think? Yeah. And I'm, so I'm reading it. And there's that like flashback scene where mm-hmm. he's a total jerk. And I'm just like, I don't, is there anything there that's positive? Yeah. Like that I could possibly see that he did this for some, like something better. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't, unless he was somebody, unless he contacted someone, how did they find her? Yeah. I don't know. That was my thinking. Cause see, I, in this book, in her memory of the events, we certainly do not get any sort of like, moment of hesitancy or any sort of like kindness from him in this situation like we did in A Court of Wings and Ruin. But I'm wondering if he was the one that maybe like contacted Azriel or Reese or Cassian about Moore's whereabouts. That's what I was wondering too. Okay. So that wasn't just me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Because he, he helped Lucian escape. Mm-hmm. Oh. yeah yeah it was that scene was pretty brutal I had forgotten how terrible it is but he's like don't touch her she becomes our responsibility like, oh yeah. okay and I don't imagine it would get easier to remember things like that even after 500 years but especially she hasn't there's actually a scene in this where Reese does say he's not sure why she hasn't taken her revenge on Eris and Kier yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though seeing them 
you know, is traumatic every time she has to, you know, confront that every time she sees them. I wonder, I wonder why as well. She hasn't taken those kills yet. Mm-hmm. There's something. Hopefully that'll be addressed in a book. Maybe mm-hmm. get to see. I, I'd like to see more of her in a book. I would too. Sure. There is a section in, or not a section, just like a passage where they talk about how horrible fey periods are. Yeah. And I was going to ask, would you rather have a period 12 times a year, right, that Mm -hmm. were mild, or two horrible, horrible times a year? I don't know. Two a year. Yeah. What would you choose? Probably two a year, but I'm really bad with pain, so I actually don't know if maybe I would just be like, this is the one reason I'll get pregnant and not be a horrible (laughs) to avoid the periods well it also doesn't say how long it lasts for how long are these two horrible periods a year i don't know i'm hoping like a week (laughs) for her sake a day preferable (laughs) but she does say in the book she'd rather be like she almost accepted being unconscious right yeah instead of the pain and you know how much pain she can put up with right like Mm -hmm. She dealt with her broken. I would have passed out at like the first punch. I would yeah. not have made it. So I can't imagine how horrible the pain must be. If Aira's like, yeah, knock me out. Yeah. I mean, I imagine so like um, sometimes women who experience like PMDD or um, endometriosis, their periods are actually like that and they have them every month. It would probably, she said that she had really painful periods as a human. So this is like an amplification of that. My periods aren't terrible as a human. So if we were going to amplify that and have it twice a year, I could probably swing it. Yeah. Mine aren't too horrible. So they mentioned like their birth control in this book as well. So it's male birth control that you drink in like a tonic mm-hmm. or a tea. Like I love for that to be a real thing because hormonal birth control is awful. It sucks so much. I would love for men to be responsible for birth control. Or to be responsible and be like, I drink tea all the time. I could do this. No problem. The only thing I didn't totally understand with that is he didn't, it mentioned like not drinking it afterwards. Like he was going to drink it afterwards. How did that work? I don't know. Like there. I thought the same thing. Like that's not going to stop it from, you've already like sperm to egg. Yeah. Is there a reverse fertilization process? Maybe with the fae? Yeah, that's what was weird. I was like, but that's afterwards? I don't. This isn't how biology works. (laughs) Maybe it's how fae biology works, I guess. What what do we know? Need some elaboration on that. Maybe it was a typo. Maybe. So there's this sort of sad point. Um, Cassian asks Reese, like, if things are going poorly or something, like... Are, are they having problems because Reese seems kind of down mm-hmm. or hesitant and he says actually that everything feels too, too good he's too happy and so mm-hmm. he's sort of waiting for like the other uh, shoe to drop sort of yeah. thing um, because nobody can be that happy without paying for it and Cassian's mm-hmm. like dude you literally died Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I can kind of relate to that I feel like when things are going well I'm like mm-hmm okay, now what's going to happen? Because <laughs> right. this, isn't, this isn't life. That's not how this works. Something bad's yeah. got to happen. Um, I don't know about you. 
Well, I mean, I from cast or from Rezan's standpoint, I can definitely understand it because, I mean, so much bad has happened to him. It would be hard to trust that things were going to be good. You want to talk a bit about Tamlin since you have feelings? Oh, yeah. I have really conflicted feelings about Tamlin in this book, and I don't like it. <laughs> Tamlin's a jerk, and I think that everything that happened, he had coming to him. But I feel really bad for him when Reese goes to see him, and he's all dis- disheveled and pathetic looking. And Reese goes on this really long, like, I wouldn't call it a tirade, but there's definitely some speechy quality to it about how he hopes, you know, Tamlin dies alone and everything that happens to him he deserves. And, oh, maybe Tamlin could have done without that. <laughs> I do. It like feels the- mean. <laughs> <laughs> I like when Reese rubs it in his face that Ferris is mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, he, like, casually drops it, and then he's like, that's low, but whatever. (laughs) I mean, but Tamlin in general just isn't a good guy. Like, think about how he treats his court members. I know. But now he's all alone. And I think I would, so I would like to see some sort of redemption arc for Tamlin. I would like for him to take this experience that he's had, learn from it, and grow as a character, and stop being a dirtbag, and maybe he'll get there, because at the end, he was like, do you think she'll ever forgive me, talking about Farah? and then he asks Reese if he would ever forgive him, so he's, you know, realizing that he did some bad things. Right, but then Reese says, we never got an apology, and Tamlin goes, I guess it wouldn't matter anyway. Yeah. Like, you could still try. Yeah. So maybe he'll, maybe this is going to be a learning experience for him. Don't kill someone's mother and sister and don't be a control freak Mm -hmm. and emotionally abuse your significant other. Yep. I mean, think about the way he like talked about her and treated her at that meeting though. I know. And Reese does make a really good point. He's like, you humiliated her. I know. I know. He's a dirtbag. I know he's a (laughs) dirtbag. But I still feel bad for him. And I don't like that I feel bad for him. <laughs> I do not feel bad for him. Sorry, I, I have a conscience, Vicky. <laughs> 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 and I don't feel guilty for not feeling bad for him. <laughs> I like all the descriptions of like shopping and decorations and stuff that they talk about in this book. That that's fun to me. And I think you mentioned this when Cassian shows up at um, the townhouse and he's, he's like, Farah walks in and it's just Cassian and a bunch of sticks on the ground. Yes. <laughs> that's that's one of my, so great. That's one of my favorite scenes. And they're like, okay, we'll decorate, but they get too drunk. And then Adam yeah. shows up and it's like, I guess I have to fix this for you. You guys made a mess. Yeah. That's one of my favorite moments in this book. Yeah. It's really cute. It's a really cute like scene for their friendship too, you know? That's one of the reasons I like this book so much is because you do have such lighthearted moments, which you didn't mm-hmm. really get to see in any of the other books. No. 
you get these really lighthearted moments that aren't really dragged down by anything either. You know, like in the other books, it'd be like, oh, these lighthearted moments, but oh, remember also your war. I love how Nessa makes everything really awkward, though. <laughs> she shows up and everyone's like, uh. Conversation stops. <laughs> Nobody got her presents. Everyone's uncomfortable. <laughs> I was surprised Farrah didn't get her anything. Yeah. I would have thought she would have gotten her something, but only Elaine did. Yeah. Well, maybe since Farrah's bankrolling her life, she doesn't feel like she needs to get her presents. That's true. Reese says that at one point. Because yeah. Cassian asks if they need... Or, wait, no, Asriel asks. Asriel, yeah. Asriel asks, and Reese is like, no, I feel like like yeah bankrolling paying for her rent and her drinking is enough of a present (laughs) one of the other things i liked about this book is um farah and reese still had their banter and flirtatious Mm -hmm. they're still flirtatious with each other and i really like that because a lot of times in books or tv shows whenever the main character when you know they hook up they kind of lose some of that yeah and i love that they didn't I love that they're still really flirty with each other. I know. They're really cute. Mm-hmm. All the innuendos. Mm-hmm. I forgot that there was a really hot sex scene in this book. Oh, yeah. That last. Yeah. That last scene with Farah and Reese. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, how hard? And she's like, enough to make the pictures fall off the wall. Like, <laughs> okay, let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot yeah. all about that. <laughs> and then they're talking like in their head. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets, oh, that's right. She gets in his head to see what it looks like from his point of view. Yes. That would be, I feel like really confusing, like to be within your, within someone else's body, looking at your own body yeah. while being in your body at the same time. It's a lot of sensation. Yeah. And then they have like mind sex and physical sex at the same time. I love how he roars. <laughs> Again, <I> just... <laughs> in real life, no. Please don't roar in my ear. <laughs> Descriptions like that are so funny. Like, is he at, like lion roaring? Like, what kind of right. roar? Like, <laughs> I, I need a sound bite. <laughs> I like so we spend a lot of time in Illyrian training camps in this yeah. book with Reese and with Cassian, with Asriel some too, um, and they suck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the Illyrians; they're kind of terrible. They like they, like their entire their entire purpose is to go to war. Like that's what they train for. They're an army. Like they protect their outposts and whatever, but it's an army basically. It's like that's their job. And so they go to war and they come back all pissy because people died. Like, what did you think was going to happen? This is literally what you're training for. Mm-hmm. Why are you mad? <laughs> well, their whole thing was that they think they were put in positions specifically so that they would die because Reese was still salty like Reese and Cassian and Asriel were still salty about the way oh, they yeah. were treated or something like that. Yeah. So they purposely put him to die more, but I don't know. Cassian I mean, like how all- childish is that? <laughs> Cassian was literally fighting with them. Like yeah. Asriel, like they were 
literally in the fray with them. Why would they put them in themselves in positions where they were going to die? Like what? Why? Like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's childish. Like you train to go to, and then you actually do, and you're mad about it. Grow up. Mm-hmm. I feel so bad for Cassie and with them. He wants to be accepted by them s- still, you know, yeah. even after all these centuries. Mm-hmm. I don't think Asriel feels quite the same. No, Asriel, uh, Asriel don't care. He does not like them. And he yeah. has no desire to be accepted by them. I think at one point Reese is like, because Asriel doesn't want to go like with them. To, and Reese is like, it's good for him to remember his experiences here and where he came from. But no, after the trauma he experienced because of them, no. Um, it's lame. They suck. They do suck. And the way they treat their women is terrible too. Yes. Although I do love the uh, Reese and Cassian and Asriel, they're all still really dedicated to um, having female Illyrians trained. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just they have to keep checking up and making sure that it's happening. Right. Because otherwise yeah. they don't do it and they just stick the girls or the females with um, housework. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, chores. Mm-hmm. The boys need it. That's the Lord Devlin says that at one point, the boys need a nice holiday. Well, who doesn't? Okay. Like. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Cassian, it's Cassian who says they've got two hands. Yeah. But then Devlin goes, not all of them. Not all of them. Well, guess what? Enough of them. You can still do housework with one hand. Yes, you can. That's what happens when you go to war. Ah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't get a hand or a leg. <laughs> Sometimes you die. I mean, this is their whole purpose, and now they're mad about it. Yeah. Maybe, you know, get a new job then. You also think they'd be happier about having, like, female Illyrians just because it's more soldiers that can fight, mm-hmm. you know? But no. Yeah. I don't really, I don't understand them. Bunch of Hat-wings. babies. <laughs> bunch of babies that's fine because that is what uh pharaoh calls them babies yeah. a whole bunch illyrian babies illyrian babies <laughs> they are mm-hmm. bunch of children Ugh. yeah you have a note in here about um wing cutting wing clipping oh yeah i just thought you know when cassie and he goes into that shop and he meets i think her name is emery she's a female whose father used to run a store and he died in the war, and so now she's taking it over. But none of the Illyrians will come to her store because she's a female and running it. And he talks about the scarring on her wings from where they clipped it. It just reminds me of, like, female genital mutilation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Taking away a person's, like, control of their, their body and their autonomy. Mutilating or modifying it. Which, I mean, in our culture, we do that with, like, male circumcision a lot too yeah um also going along with that because it takes away like you said like pleasurable and flying is supposed to be one of the most amazing feelings you know it's a huge part of being an illyrian um to take away something so pleasurable i I definitely see the parallels there as well yeah i can't imagine how frustrating it would be to have wings and not be able to use them right so after Chris, after the solstice celebration at the townhouse, Nesta leaves 
and Cassian, you know, walks her home and she, she, she does not want him to, but he forces it basically and just follows her. And he tells her that he's got a gift for her and she rejects it and him and he gets upset and throws it into, he says he's like looked for months for it and he throws it into the river. It's sad. I feel sad for, I feel real sad for Cassian. Are they mates? I never. I don't know. They don't ever. They don't mention. Cassian doesn't ever mention feeling a mating bond. And I did see something interesting in um, one of the the groups that we're in, where it's this person speculated that Nesta's mate was actually like Eris or somebody from the Autumn Court because her, you know, her Farah's drawer was like the stars, right? And her mate was Reese. Night Court. So oh, someone yeah. speculated that because Feyre or uh, Nesta's drawer was flames, Flame. that it her mate was gonna be like someone in the Autumn Court. And that would, uh, I mean, that kind of works with Elaine's. She had flowers, and Lucian is basically Spring Court now. Yeah, you would associate him more with the Spring Court than. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. So if Nesta doesn't end up with my sweet Cassian, I won't be mad about it. I would love if it ended up being somebody in the spring spring court. In the Um, autumn court. court, I mean, that would be an interesting twist. I feel like the story isn't set up. From what we've read and heard about this book, the story's not really set up for that, but it would be an interesting sort of option if that did happen well it'd be interesting if she did something Mm -hmm. where you think it's going to be her and cassie and it ends up being like her and heiress or something Mm -hmm. it would be interesting i i would like that much more Mm -hmm. for sure because (sighs) cassie deserves someone (laughs) and then the next book will be cassie and asriel yes oh i would love that so much yes casriel we even have a name for it we do it works an interesting i don't know what it would be called interesting writing style that uh sarah j mass has on this is that so it goes from multiple um characters points of view right but for favorite and reese it's always in the first person so they use i she's in their head but from anyone else, so like uh, she was also in Cassie and Moore and Nessa's head. It's always in the third person, and I just I think that's interesting. I found it a little bit switching from those chapters, like from it going to I and then going to third person, was always kind of like jarring a little bit um, for me because to me that didn't totally make sense why she did that. I don't really get why. I mean, it's fine. I like the book anyway. Like, there's it doesn't really affect my feelings about the book. I just thought it was an interesting writing style and I totally get why she did it mm-hmm. Reese tells her that Reese tells Farah that all of the pretty dresses that he's given her were made by his mama because mm-hmm. she used to be a seamstress and she loved making dresses and so she made like just a truck full of clothes for him to give to his future wife that got, oh, that got me just right in my heart that's so sweet mm-hmm and I'm sad. 
I know it was real sweet. And then when he says, "Oh, I didn't know how you'd feel about wearing clothes by like made by somebody who died centuries ago," like, no, it was your mom. Yeah. How can you think that? Come on, you know she. I know. That. Uh, I liked at the end of this book where Feyre uh, finally starts coping with her feelings through her art and is able to use that medium to help other people cope with the things that they're having trouble expressing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice kind of um, full circle moment, maybe from the beginning where she's very like carried and not, not dealing and not to the end where she's finally. And also how she uses that to give Reese his solstice present, which is the, the portrait or the, the painting of what she saw when she looked into the Ouroboros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gave everyone, almost everyone, pictures of themselves or paintings. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. One of the characters said, Oh, I hope you're not putting that up in like the main room or something. Yeah. Of her. Yeah, that <laughs> her picture oral. of her. Yeah, in the Ouroboros. I really want to see that. There's not really like a super good description, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd love to see what it actually looks like you know yeah but i guess she left it kind of vague because of that so you could use your imagination boo you know my imagination doesn't work right i pictured the surreal as being a leprechaun so (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite quotes in this book is when Feyre is asking Nuala about solstice. Nuala says that it's a time of rest and a time to reflect on the darkness and how it lets the light shine. And I think that's an apt, I mean, I think that's a good descriptor, especially in light of how unique, I mean, tying in that to how this year has been just in general. I feel like uh, most people could pull from some dark moments that are different about 2020. But it's not all been dark. There's mm-hmm. some some light to some of this year, some of these situations. And, and then that kind of it reminds me a little bit of like one of the favorite moments that I have in this book too. So when Farah and Elaine go out Christmas shopping, they walk into this weaver's business. The weaver has crafted this tapestry and that it's described as that the material is a black, but it's so much deeper than black. It's like it absorbs light. Like Farah touches it and it's like her finger disappears when she she touches it but it's got this um, silvery sort of luminescent thread in it as well and so she asks the weaver about it and she tells her the story about how her husband went off to the war and was killed and after she learned of his death the weaver created this tapestry and she called the black the black part the void kind of a channeling of the feelings that she was having in the wake of her partner's death and then the the luminescent the silver thread within it she calls it hope I think she sees it as like hope or lightness I like that that's good imagery for the lightness within the dark yeah it is really good imagery um I like that description as well would you like to reflect on what we've read this year why yes let's reflect Yes. (laughs) Let's get reflective. Uh, What was the favorite thing that you read this year? Book or series? So I probably flip-flop back and forth between Throne of Glass and A Court of Thorns and Roses. Because Throne of Glass, 
was so good. But then I also really like Accord. I don't know. I flip flop between those two in terms of my favorite reads. Um, but Blood and Ash was so good. Yeah. I don't know. I think Throne of Glass. Yeah. But I love Reese. See, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Okay. okay. You know, so what? you I- have two favorites. It's okay. You can have more than one. It's okay. It's not a limit. Um, and then Blood and Ash series. Is, oh, I want that last one to come out. What about you? I, I would say that Throne of Glass is definitely my favorite series this year. I haven't felt so much while reading books in a long time. It Without was, series? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I laughed some. I cried way more while reading these books, those books, than I have uh, maybe while reading any series. So they, I, they, I really loved them. That was outstanding. So what are you looking forward to coming out uh, next year? Oh, so many things. So the next Blood and Ash book, Crown of Gilded Bones, uh, Karen Marie Moaning's last book in the Fever series. That's going to be hard. I think it's the, mm, is it the 13th book? Kingdom of Shadow and Light. Is it the 12th or the 13th? I don't know. It's one of them. I want to say it's 13. Really? Okay. Whatever number. That one's coming out. Um, Amelia Hutchins uh, will probably put out like eight books next year. She puts out books so fast. But the next the next book in the Chaos series, Crown of Chaos. And then you're going to love... I mean, I love Lucian's books too, but I feel like you're going to lose your mind when the last monster book comes out. They better reveal what he is. I low-key hope that she doesn't so that you have to. Oh, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think not. I will be furious. I will be furious. <laughs> I think that would be hysterical because you would be so bothered. <laughs> it would haunt me till the day I die. <laughs> I would be on my deathbed. Amelia. <laughs> I'm coming for you in the afterlife. <laughs> You're going to tell me. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then obviously we're both, mm, I would say mostly excited for a Court of Silver Flames, the next Sarah J. Mass book. Yes. And then Death by Death. Laura Thalassa. <laughs> I, wish, I love that it's called Death and that <laughs> it's just so ominous when you say it. Oh, I'm looking forward to Death next Death. year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that when I sent my friend that text, it said Death coming 2021. <laughs> Excited for Death by Laura Villasa. <laughs> Definitely throw that last bit. Yes. I guess wrapping up. Next week, we're going to be talking about Flames of Chaos by Amelia Hudgens. It is an After Dark episode. Uh, so, and it's our first Amelia Hudgens book. I have been looking forward to talking about one of her books for quite a while. We're so excited. 
so excited. So Flames of Chaos is the first in the Nine Realm series, although Marissa and I do call it the Chaos series. Yeah. At least I do. That's what you call it that too, right? I do. Nine Realms is more words. Yeah. It's harder <laughs> to come out of my mouth. Yeah. So, so excited for that. We're excited. We're going to talk about telescoping penises. It's going to be great. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. Starting in January, we'll be doing interviews and having guests. So that'll be really exciting. We'll do that. We'll get to meet some authors and talk about their books. And we joined a new social media platform. So you can find us on Paw Books at Literary Quest. All right. So that's our wrap up on our discussion of A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. Thank you for joining us. We hope you have a fantastic week. And, and uh, join us next week for Flames of Chaos by Amelia Hutchins. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.